Hello and welcome to Anthems. We're a couple of fans discussing Canadian prog rock by our favorite trio, Rush. We'll have a short listen, a little chat, and maybe even learn a thing or two. Hi, my name is Miles. I'm a very large fan of the band Rush. And I'm Craig. I'm just a regular Joe fan of Rush. The album we're discussing today is the first album in the Rush anthology, Rush's self-titled album, Rush. <laughs> so take yourself out in ice cold beer. Let's burn the midnight oil. All right, let's go. Um, yeah. So before we begin, uh, we would actually like to kind of introduce ourselves a little bit more thoroughly, just because this is our first episode, and maybe go over the premise of the show a little bit. Uh, should I start or should you, Craig? Yeah, well, I don't have much to say, to be honest. I've been listening to Rush for uh, 10-plus years. 10x maybe, years. Maybe yeah. long, yeah, 12, something like that. I kind of started... Giving away your age, you're over 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I started listening in high school. I was listening to a lot of other sort of uh, rock bands around the time, Led Zeppelin, uh, Iron Maiden, ACGC, like... I was into that kind of genre and sort of my friends. So I was kind of introduced to the band, but I never really loved Rush back then. It wasn't really a big thing for me. Um, didn't really stand out uh, that much because I wasn't really a musician and I wasn't really just that deep into it. Um, I'd listen to more, uh, I don't know. Uh, like ACDC. Or yeah, or... like just straight up classical rock, I guess. Classic rock. The genre. Classic rock classical yeah, rock so. is like Bach rock <laughs> <laughs> yeah is i mean Bach rock, bro? Bach rock is pretty cool too i have to say it is i just call it Bach. i just shortened it like i say i i uh i didn't always listen to rush as proficiently as i guess i kind of have more recently and uh i kind of got more into it like i guess you got me into it in a big way and like i really appreciate the instrumentals and i really appreciate um yeah like just the whole uh the whole unique feel of rush i think uh kind of took a little bit for to age for me and um it's aged well <laughs> <laughs> like a That's fine wine yeah so what about you miles um yeah just as i was trying to take a peanut out of my gums um <laughs> i uh yeah i've been a fan also for i guess 10x years I, I i discovered them in high school through a friend um mutual friend of ours and uh yeah i mean i guess i'll maybe describe it later in the episode but there was a particular song on this album that i heard and i went oh wow this is like actually very cool because uh, i had also been like uh I guess like a classic hard rock fan um, growing up, definitely. Like grew up on Black Sabbath and Deep Purple and I don't know, even like the Sex Pistols and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I listened to a lot of Black Sabbath too. Yeah, that was a commonality between the two of us for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, then discovered Rush and uh, very quickly became a fan. And actually, so I guess Craig and I are both musicians. I play guitar and uh, I remember hearing... Well, it was 2112 was the first one I bought and then going, oh, my God, well, now I have to start trying to write 20 minute songs like this changes. Everything. <laughs> uh, just being very inspired by what they were doing. Uh, they kind of hit the spot for me uh, in a way that, yes, kind of like other progressive bands didn't quite do it for me at that point in my life where Rush was like kind of a little bit heavier, a little bit. I don't know. It just hit 
more directly to me or I, I can't really articulate it better than that but but they but they uh they very quickly became my favorite band i guess is what i'll say and uh i've been a band ever since um i've been a band i've been a fan I've, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want to be a band i want to be a rush i guess yeah like that's the the basic question of this podcast is like is why is rush still relevant like 50 years later almost you know right so uh i think it's an important you know question like why are we doing this podcast but i think that's the answer is it's just it is still relevant like there's still a lot of really good sort of lessons to be learned in their music and there's i mean very few bands out there aside from like the rolling stones and like i can't even think of anyone else who's still around uh or i mean you know rush isn't around anymore unfortunately but but had the longevity uh and the career uh over decades um that rush had like rush they, and it was the same three members with one exception uh, their entire career and the fact that yeah people are still listening all these years later uh, is uh, worth remarking on and to me still relevant <laughs> as someone who considers himself on the old side of young I'm young and hip <laughs> you know so uh, and Craig is the same so yeah, should we or talk? Are, are we on the young side of old? I'm not yeah, sure. Either or, either or. We're right on the cusp. <laughs> we're right those. on the cusp. I, yeah. This is, you know, we're going to force the kids to get into rush. We won't say it. We won't say it. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't have to. <laughs> um, so I guess part of the show is I'm going to kind of give some trivia now about the band uh, or about, you know, the album, um, but also a little bit more specifically about the band in this instance, because uh, this is, again, the first episode and we wanted to, you know, kind of describe their history a little bit uh, because that's that's apropos. So there's a few important characters in this story I'm about to tell, uh, and I, I'll describe three of them right now. Uh, one of them, uh, Getty Lee himself, born Gary Lee Weinrib. I might be butchering his name when someone else is here shortly. Uh, he was born July 29th, 1953. We have Alexander Zivijonovich, uh, born <laughs> August 27th, 1953, uh, as well as John Howard Rutsey, born July 23rd, 1952. Uh, these three would go on to, you know, I guess, form the initial version of the band that we know and love called uh, Rush. Um... Although it wasn't the three of them initially, uh, they were formed in Toronto. This is a Canadian band, uh, and we are Canadian uh, men, by the way. Yes. Uh, this was formed in 1968 uh, by Alex Lifeson, guitarist, uh, drummer John Rutsey. And okay, sorry to interject there for a sec, but uh, how old does that make them, kind of, then? In 1968? Yeah. Good question. Like okay. Let's do this math here. So if they were born in 53, so like 15, 14, 15. Yeah, 15. So yeah, they're very okay. young. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Isn't that That's crazy? <laughs> yeah. So from 15 to, or 14 or whatever to like 60 or something. It's, re <laughs> it's remarkable. That's a long career. That's a long career. Yeah. They're, it's, it's wild. Um, they had a different member initially on bass uh, and vocals, uh, a man by the name of Jeff Jones. 
I guess a teen by the name of Jeff Jones. Uh, just one thing I'll say about him before moving on pretty quickly, because I don't think he was there very long, was he would actually go on to be a member of gospel rock band Ocean and a band uh, called Red Rider. Don't know if they're also gospel rock. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of them before, but also totally not my genre. So oh, Ocean. No. Ocean. Well, yeah, because there is like, I think, an extreme metal band called Oceana or something. Uh Right, not the same. Right in, folks. <laughs> not, the yeah. same. not the same, believe it or not. Uh, surprising. Yeah, you would be surprised. Uh, where was I here? Um, he also tours with Tom Cochran, so I do know Tom Cochran. So you know him? I know him personally. We go for drinks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. In my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so they're but they're like. Uh, they're just like playing in um, local places, malls, and like in in bar and clubs or bars, I guess. Or well, yeah. So I guess that's an important part of the story. Is I don't know. Like, I guess they were playing in like churches and stuff before they turned eighteen. But what ended up happening? Okay. What ended up happening is that in 1971, just as they were turning eighteen, I think I, that math should work out. Uh, the drinking age in Ontario went down from 21 to 18. So they were like, oh, great. Like, we can play bars now. Oh, so, sick. Yeah, so apparently that really kicked off their, like, playing shows and, like, kind of getting around the circuit and, you know, making a name for themselves, I guess. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this, though, is after Jeff Jones has been replaced by Getty Lee, yeah. uh, aforementioned. The name of the band apparently uh, came from, would you guess it, uh, John Rutsey's brother, um, Bill. He thought they needed a name that was short and to the point. And I guess, yeah, that works. And it Rush. quickly became their name. It quickly became their name. <laughs> it rushingly became their name. Uh, yeah, so in the early days, they went through actually a few other kind of lineup changes. Uh there's some people including Lindy Young on the keys and Mitch Bossy on second guitar. Um, but uh, I, that didn't last very long, obviously. Um, so the band hired, uh, you know, long time, and by long time, I think their entire career, uh, manager Ray Daniels, um, who actually convinced uh, Alex and John to kick Getty Lee out of the band. Uh, so he was replaced by a dude named Joe Perma. Um oh, who just as a little joke for me, it should should have uh, probably been Joe Tempa, because he wasn't a permanent replacement. He was a temporary replacement. Thank you. This is a free podcast. Uh, so they apparently had a really bad gig like right away with him, and they kicked he him out. He couldn't keep tempo. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, so they fucking booted his ass, uh, and I, I think Getty had even, like, he was doing his own band and was doing better, and they were, like, groveling. They were like, please, Getty, join us again. Wait, so was Alex on guitar at that point? Alex was on guitar from the very beginning. So, but, yeah. Okay, but uh, were they uh, were they not friends, sort of? They were friends. So, I mean, yeah. Th there's only so much I can get into. Well, I mean, but but yeah, thank you for asking the question. No, 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 that's that's fair. That's why I want you to ask questions, though, because that's valuable. Uh, it's valuable. Um, is they were friends. Um, Alex and Getty were school, like, they met in school i think and then they were just like yeah really good they were really good buddies so that's part of this story too um presumably john was a friend of theirs too although his birthday mm -hmm. he was almost a year older or i guess i don't know i didn't quite check the 
I'd have to confirm that, but yeah, Al uh, was actually featured in a documentary uh, that came out in 1972 called Come on Children. Come on, what? children. And uh, he's, it's just like about whatever, I guess, like typical of like, the Like, come time. on, people? Like, it was like, come on, people? Yeah, it was, it was like, like, come on, people. Yeah. And I don't know how you could think it was anything else. Um, but uh, it, it was just about like te- contemporary teens, I guess, like of the, the time. And so Alex was actually in it. And there's footage of him. Yeah, like, I, you could probably find it on YouTube. Uh, it's it's a, it's available um at least clips or or, <laughs> or find the film well yeah no don't search don't search it up uh you're gonna have to I'm find it a it. different way um oh my god maybe we'll link to it i already may be on a watch list because i had to confirm what it was called today so <laughs> um the uh yeah he's he's arguing with his parents about i think wanting to drop out of school and just like he's like i just want to be a rocker like he has his guitar there and he's like playing guitar and being all cool and uh, his parents are like we just want you to go to school (laughs) shut up mom yeah pretty much (laughs) um so yeah there you go um anyway i digress we digress unless you have another question there well i wanted to say too that um Getty's dad died uh, fairly young, or when Getty was fairly, fairly young. That is I true guess. too. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of like coming up, and uh, his mom apparently, yeah, like I guess Getty said this in an interview that his mom sort of bringing him up couldn't really control him at that time, so he just just you know, like do his own thing. So just I guess again, also really quickly, uh, just to kind of go over the re- actual recording of the album now. Uh, I guess the band would be playing gigs late into the night, and then at 1 a.m. they'd like pack their gear in and uh, go to Eastern Sound Studio, uh, where they'd record from two to nine uh, because they got really cheap studio rates uh, mm-hmm. doing it that way. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, reportedly, reportedly, the first half of the recording experience was a disaster because they had this bloke from England named uh, David who was engineering, and uh, apparently just was doing a really poor job. The drums were out of phase and everything just sounded awful. Uh, so they uh, they actually ended up dropping a couple of perspective album tracks, uh, which were Not Fade Away and Can't Fight It, um, before finding Terry Brown, um, who mm-hmm. became their longtime producer uh, for many an album, um, who very much helped define their sound and was kind of a fourth member of the band, very important member of the yeah, that's a huge thing. Like, uh, I'm not sure most people just kind of realize like how important that is to have like a well-produced album. Like, it would have been a different story if they would have gone with some other guy and just he'd done a shit job on their album. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's he was so he was integral. Uh, they found him and they recorded um, some other tracks, uh, which I believe they re-recorded. Finding my way, need some love in here again. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, they forged a partnership that lasted a very long time, as I said. Basically, I'm just going to say at this point, their manager, Ray, um, who I guess had his tail between his legs or whatever, but remained their manager after the Getty Lee incident. Um, mm-hmm. He couldn't get the band a record <laughs> deal. And uh, uh, but around this time, famously, uh, a Cleveland radio DJ named Donna Halper uh Basically, so she put on uh, what was the longest album on this record that she had. She put on the longest track, which was Working Man, the final track, because she needed like a bathroom break. This is kind of what <laughs> they did. At, this is what DJs did, you know, uh, to, to be able to do that sort of thing. 
And uh, but she heard it and realized she heard the potential of it, especially to a Cleveland audience of like, like you know, she was in the she was in the bathroom or something. I guess she could hear it like, resonating. Yeah. yeah, it was loud enough. I mean, maybe she came back. It was just a quick uh, bathroom visit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so she kind of kept it in rotation. People would call in thinking like, oh, like, what's this new Zeppelin song or like when when's the new Zeppelin album? And uh, she was like, no, it's a band called Rush. Uh, blah blah blah. Um, mm. So at some point, Cliff Bernstein of Mercury Records heard this. Uh, I suppose this track on the radio, or and eventually the record, and uh, he basically signed the band uh, to a to a large label. I'm also right now very quickly because I did mention a few important members uh, or characters of this story, and one of them that doesn't come up until a little later, but has to be touched on right now, is uh, Neil Peart, born Neil Peart. Uh, September twelfth, nineteen fifty-two. Yeah, so he was he was a promising young farm boy from St. Catharines, Ontario. Uh, played the drums. Was in a band called J.R. Flood. Actually, when he auditioned for the band uh, Rush, uh, this was after the first album. But bear with me because we want to talk. I have it on very good authority. I'm not going to talk about Neil's introduction to the band on the next episode. So I just wanted to do that now. Um, so he, I guess he was working at a car parts farm equipment uh, dealership, sorry, farm equipment dealership is what it is, when uh, just like a white Cadillac or, sorry, white Corvette pulls up and... Uh, <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> nailing it. I know my stuff. Uh, but it was basically some, uh, some execs asking Neil if he wanted to join the band. I guess the Rush uh, camp had heard of Neil and so... They asked if he wanted to audition. Uh, this is when they were kind of having uh, with, difficulties with John Rutsey. There's kind of a lot of reasons he left. Getty and Alex were going in different musical directions than John. John was a lot more into just like uh, straight ahead rock and roll, which this album very much exemplifies. Uh, and yeah, uh, they wanted to do that. something different. He also apparently was diabetic and that like his kind of rock and roll lifestyle that they were doing wasn't very good for his health and that that was part of the recommendation to have him leave the band. So anyway, so tearing through this, uh, um, Neil Peart auditions for the band, uh, brings his little Slingerland kit in Slingerland kit to the, to the audition. And, uh, apparently Getty and Alex oh, when they first. That? So there's like a five piece or like, I mean, uh, like how, would, how big of a kit would that have been? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a good question. But I'd assume even at that point, he was probably trying to get quite a few. Yeah, I don't know how many pieces. Right in! I, did, I briefly remember reading something about uh, um, the audition that Getty was saying. Like, you heard him do some, like, triplets, triplets. on a double kick. Yeah. Yeah, you <laughs> That's the triplets. Cool. I think Getty was maybe a bit more into it than Alex. Don't quote me on that. But But both of them did think they were actually, like, too cool for him. <laughs> when he like show, first showed up, because he was just this weird, gangly, yeah, farm boy, dude, farm boy, farm farm boy. Uh, but they they impressed him, and um, I think yeah, he had a month he to impress them. He impressed, he impressed them. Yeah, did I say they impressed him? Yeah. I mean, I guess enough that he auditioned, you know, yeah. uh, because he was Both. already in a band. So, ha, works anyway. Both. Yeah. No, I thought I just wanted to add. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> Thank. I mean, yeah. and that's clap for you too. Um, yeah, so I think that's pretty much my breakdown. Sorry, this isn't a weird order. 
Or maybe I'll maybe we'll just reorder it later. No, I think that makes sense. Like, I think that uh, we just want to give a general overview again of like sort of why are we doing this and what is it. Uh, so I think that's a good sort of what is it for you. Um, there you go. And moving on now uh, with sort of like going through some of their albums and figuring out, I guess, what the sound of Rush really is. Yeah. Okay, so we're starting off with track one. Finding my way. Yeah. So pretty, pretty good song. Um, yeah. I like it. I like the opening riff. The fade in is cool. Yeah, it's a nice pace. It like, yeah, it's just like a good like in your face, like grabs your attention opener. For sure. It's one that I will say uh, I liked it enough to learn on guitar back in the day because it just seems mm. like so much fun. So it's it's something that every it's now a and cool then, riff. Yeah. It is. It is cool. It's a kind of big, like nice open chord, and then a little kind of fun little finger twisty. Deedly deedly. Um, I mean, everyone, presumably everyone would know what it sounds like. Um, yeah. So it's a. It was a fun one that I I play. <laughs> <laughs> Just rambling. Yeah, I just wanted to say. I think it's kind of funny about a few of these songs. Like, uh, I'll bring it up later, but uh, I just think it's kind of funny. Like a lot of their songs come off to me. Uh, as like a little bit horny. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, most definitely. This is the horniest <laughs> like, Rush album. Like they're like 15-year-old kids. Like, Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Like, for sure. Well, because that was also part of it. So maybe one thing I didn't get into in the intro is that John Rutsey was supposed to like write out al- or lyrics for these songs. And then like when they were going into the studio, he just didn't want to submit them or had thrown <laughs> them out. Or blah, I was going to ask. Yeah, I was going to ask who wrote the lyrics for this. Yeah, actually. so apparently it was some sort of an effort between Getty and Alex, maybe mostly Getty. Uh, there was one song that was credited, uh, attributed entirely to Getty on this uh, album, which I'll I'll mention it when we get to it, but it's not this one. This one is apparently yeah. by Alex and uh, Ged, if I've done my research. Yeah, because the, the lines that I'm thinking of, I wrote down here is, uh, Oh, God, I'm coming! Oh, whoa, <laughs> oh, yeah! Oh, my God. And then he's like, Oh, shit, I'm coming up to get you! Oh, yeah! He's, like, coming up behind him, like, Yeah. Okay, all right, then, chill out. <laughs> it, it's super horny. Uh, that That's kind of my analysis of the lyrics where, yeah, Getty is horny and trying to find a woman who's maybe done him wrong. I think there's some allusion to that in the words, but uh, yeah, pretty okay. simple I stuff. I haven't analyzed the lyrics to this song or anything. I just uh, I'm just basing that off of some of the like just what we like, remembered. Yeah, just some of the passionate like cries that he has. Yeah, it is fun to hear him sing like a lot of these tracks because this is yeah. peak peak Getty just fucking screaming. You know, like he's I mean, he's got a crazy good voice. Like I I've I tried singing some of this stuff and it's high, it's super high. Yeah. And but he does like vocal fry and he does like some really unique like uh, like warbly kind of stuff. And for sure, really he does have a very cool. distinct like vibrato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't have too much else to say about this song. Honestly, I think like it's 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 cool. It's good early rush to me, but um, yeah, doesn't rock my socks off. Uh, like I like the chorus fine. Um, kind of a staple-y kind of classic sounding song. Yeah, this is like pretty much like yeah, very prototypical rush. And without because there's like a few different types of songs on this album. I think in a way. Uh, like some of them being kind of like more boogie tracks. I wouldn't quite call this a boogie 
track, but it is kind of just more of the era, you know, whatever, hard rock and roll. Um, and well, and, and it's, all it's, this is going to be 4-4, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, this, this does not go into any strange time signatures. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a band, Rush, that is known for their progressive stuff, and there's not really any of that on this album, with yeah. a few exceptions, maybe, but not really on this song. Okay. Yeah, I concur. Cool. Yeah, should we move okay, along? So, yeah, so number two... Uh, ooh, I need some love. Oh yes, I need, I need some, some love. Yeah, really cool delivery. Like, yeah, another yeah. kind of cool, like, cool riff. Um, again, it's just so horny. Like, they're so. Yeah, horny. <laughs> this is another one of the horny songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's ooh, hilarious. I need some love. It is pretty yeah, funny. Yeah. Uh, just like you know, before Neil joins the band, it's it's just like such a one eighty stylistically <laughs> these lyrics to what they would go on to do. Like I don't know if Neil hadn't heard of sex before, or just you know, <laughs> it wasn't on his radar either way. Well, but they're just like, like metaphorical and yes. and you know abstract, more literary and, like, this stuff is literal. Like it's very yeah. Literal. <laughs> Neil's more literary. This is more literal for sure. <laughs> yeah. Getty was uh, Getty or Alex, you know. I guess, yeah, maybe could be a, could have been both of them. Yeah. But the, the guys were horny; they were young. Makes sense, and that's fine. That, but that's that's like typical rock and roll. Uh, yeah, and and this is a good song. But you know, yeah, if 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 every Rush song was like this, I, we wouldn't be talking about them today. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, this song has some really cool riffs. I think uh, kind of has an old school bluesy sort of thing. This one is a little bit more boogie woogie bluesy, I'd say, but like uh, cool to hear them do something that up tempo. They don't often play like that fast, really, even. So that's kind of fun. Uh, I guess also notable for me is there's some cool kind of just chordal stuff that Alex is doing in the uh, chorus. Uh, is playing some nice, it's almost like Jimi Hendrixy sort of like voicings on the guitar. Yeah, um, just some different ones too. Hey, like it kind of talks. Like Alex is really good at making the guitar talk. I think. Uh, even on this album, despite the fact that he doesn't quite, uh, he hasn't quite carved out his style. I'd say yet. You know, none of them have. This is like a weird rock and roll album, and they're a progressive rock band. And but <laughs> yeah. he does have that very cool, just like raw rock and roll emotional style to his playing where he'll use like pinch harmonics very liberally and like a lot of vibrato and like it can just sound very like chaotic but like also very melodic at times too and it's so he from the get-go i think is very good at that and that's why obviously he's one of my absolute favorite guitar players of all time yeah it's just like he's playing from the gut a little bit i think like he just like has uh, a sense about what uh, he wants it to sound like, and he yeah. just kind of goes for it. With he a goes for feel, and, yeah, yeah, and it works. It does work mostly, <laughs> mostly. I mean, that's what I'm so excited for. I mean, we're only on episode one here, but like, when we get <laughs> yeah. into some later albums, because I know we have some different opinions on things later. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think they get carried they get carried away sometimes a little bit for me, but uh, sure. not yet. Not yet. Fair. Yeah. He's not doing any like whammy bar stuff or anything yet. 
Um, yeah, so he's yeah. being mostly within the same key. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess that's true too. Nothing Not terrible. Like dis dissonance. Yeah. Right. Nothing terribly Not... avant-garde. Yeah. 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 Um, anything else you have to say about need some love? No. Yeah. I'm horny up tempo rocker. It's it's yeah. it's fine. Another good one, but you know, yeah, it's uh, pretty short song, really. Hey, it's only two. minutes. It is very short. Yeah, and uh, probably one of their fucking shortest songs. Yeah, uh, two minutes sixteen seconds. It says here. Yeah, I mean, most certainly one of their shortest songs. It'd be beaten by I think Bu Two B Two at least, which is on their final album. <laughs> I know one of the weirdest names ever. Don't ask. By U Two B Two B Two. R two D two B U two B two, lol dot com. Uh, so the next song, Craig, is called "Take a Friend." Do you want to talk about that? How do you feel about that one? Yeah, <laughs> so again, he's just like, do, 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 oh, okay, so maybe it's not maybe it's not so much that they're horny, but maybe they're just lonely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what's take happening. Yourself right a like you need a phrase. He's talking about a lot about just like needing needing a friend needing people yeah know. it's uh i my note here is these are maybe the worst lyrics of all time <laughs> question mark uh, they are pretty like i don't know i guess like yeah they're just very like rhyme booky yeah very much and it's like really like exemplifies it supports the claim that they had to kind of like really scramble to write these lyrics. Like it's, sure, it's yeah. weird. And I guess I've been in that situation before where you're in a band and nobody really wants to write lyrics. Like it's kind of the, uh, cause well, I mean, you know, rush actually has that cool balance of having some very, uh, I mean, later on insightful, <laughs> creative, interesting lyrics paired with some very extravagant, daring music, but, uh, it's a difficult thing to do though. Oh, for sure. But they are the masters of it, obviously. But at yeah. this point, they were going more just for the extravagant music, musical extravagance or brashness, at least at this point. They just wanted to be yeah. whatever, a little more loud and, and Yeah, proud. they're musically aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Sense. Like, I like I like the sound of this song fine, but lyrically, it's like, oh, my God. Like, but yeah. fortunately, uh um, you know, I, I mean, look, I do care about lyrics and as I get older, I do too. But like when I first was listening to this band, not that I, uh, d whatever, I didn't dislike Neil's lyrics at all, but they were, it was like icing on the cake for me, I guess. Um, I was there more for the music than the, the lyrics. Uh, I've, yeah. I've appreciated them more as time's gone on. Um, yeah. Oh, because the lyrics yeah. here are, take yourself a friend. Keep them till the end. Whoa, whoa. Why not? Where the woman, no man, makes you feel so good. So, so good. Good. Good, good, good. That's that's a fun hook. I like yeah, it. So it's good, just, good, 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 good. Yeah. Like I like that, and I do like those like arpeggios or whatever that um, do 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 do. Yeah. That kind of frames the song. It's the intro and the outro. And it is like rocky still. Like it's it doesn't seem at face value that like rocky, but it is. It's kind of a rocky song still. Like they have a lot of like kind of clashy like drum like you know fastish. Yeah, because I guess I'm like trying to think of it. It might be the slowest tempo song to this point on the uh, album, maybe at least compared to the second song. But that does change uh, when we get to the fourth track. But should we talk about that now, or would you like to say anything else about Take a Friend? 
No, I think we're there. Here again. Here again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say it just, I guess, off the bat. Not my favorite uh, song of theirs. Um, it's It feels it feels like I'm walking through a swamp when I'm listening to this song. Okay, yeah. Jonas, <laughs> yeah, the note it's... that I have, the note that I wrote for this song is... Slow, clear speaking, but I still can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And like that's it's a... just like it's stylized, right? Like yeah. he just does a real stylized kind of vocal section. Yeah, that is. And funny. they play on the same beat as what he's and when he's as when he's singing. So he plays right. Like... Yeah, um, that's just a oh, phone's going off. Sorry, oh, oh. Uh, that's just a hallmark of progressive rock bands. Maybe uh, of that time it was just like. Uh, Hey, you're hitting the high notes. It's more important to hit the note than to actually like enunciate the word. Uh, and maybe there's a bit yeah. of that happening in this song. Um, okay. And so the other note I have here is song drags on a bit with, <laughs> with the solo sounds. Oh no, sorry. Song drags on a bit, and then uh, and then separately with the solo, it sounds a bit Pink Floydy. Yeah. How do you feel about that. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah, it does sound a bit Pink Floydy now that you mention it, which famously, um, I'm going to make some enemies now. Not not my favorite band of all time. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and no disrespect to them, but it's just not my style. Uh, but uh, I guess there maybe is a bit of that. And maybe that's why I don't like this song very much. Like, uh, it totally, like, they have a lot of these, like, you know, like, uh, yeah, like it's the guitar speaking a bit, but it is like because of it's a slower song, it's just like has that feel to me. It's only like sort of a dark side of the moon, like solo kind of almost. Yeah, I feel that. Um, and the solo is like pretty good. Um, and so I like that. And I, I like when it goes into like there's kind of a major key, maybe we'll call it a chorus part. And even the way it ends, it ends on kind of like a major note, like kind of a happy. Like it goes into the. I've uh, seen your face before. Is it ever gonna, ever gonna change again? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a cool part. I like that part. Uh, but unfortunately, that part is a pretty small portion of the song. And the rest of it just, yeah, it feels a little draggy. And it's, it's, it feels like a different song, actually. It almost feels like it could be a separate song. I suppose. It, it's a nice juxtaposition. Um, and I do appreciate that Getty is kind of, yeah, again, like doing this interesting wail over top pretty passionately. Uh, but Whoa, yeah. What? I, I found the lyrics pretty difficult to decipher, frankly. Um, yeah. And so maybe I'm not going to comment on them too much. I don't... Yeah. But, I wonder there. I wonder if there's... Is there not a story behind the lyrics here? Like, Not that I'm aware of, unfortunately. Even that line, like, I've seen your face before. Is it ever going to change again? Yeah. I mean, it's maybe this is something line. deep or it could be... Like complete jibber jabber. Well, what it makes me think of is it's like you know somebody and and they like switch on you a little bit. Oh they're sure. Not, not who you think they are. Here again. Well, maybe that's the thing. It's like oh, this version of you is here again or something. Basing it off of that one line, like I've seen your face right. before. Is it ever going to change again? Like it's it's changed before. Like yeah. and they're wondering if they should put their you know trust in somebody. I guess that's what it's sure. Like. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, a lot of these lyrics, in addition to being horny, seem to be like, can I trust you? Like, I don't think I like you've done me wrong or like, I don't yeah. really like I'm hesitant to interact with you. Like, that's kind of the vibe for a lot of these songs, which is funny. Um, okay, side two. So song five, Miles. 
Yeah, song five. Uh, I, I actually quite like this one. Uh, this is called What You're Doing. Um, it has some great riffs. Uh, and it's kind of just in a 12-bar blues style, if anyone's familiar with that. Like, it's kind of a common chord progression you hear in a lot of blues music. But it's kind of with some cool riffing over top that makes it unique. Uh, dare I say even fresh. Maybe not fresh now, but uh, it would have been in 1974. Um, yeah, what do you yeah. think, Craig? Yeah, it's got kind of a weird rhythm. Um, it's a bit like, um, I don't know how to describe the timing of the sort of dan 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 dan. Oh, no, what you'll do? It's like right. almost like a da, downbeat. Da. Is that what they call it? I think it's dan, the on beat. Or back beat. Yeah, anyway, it's just kind of a funny rhythm, I guess. For, kind of bouncy. Uh, for this album so far, it, it does sort of separate it a little bit. And like it is a bit of a different thing, you know, for... I guess if this were an album, you know, for your beginning of a side B kind of thing, like. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, because it's almost like the riffs in general strike me more as being like, um, I don't know, almost more Black Sabbathy or something. But again, it does it does have this twelve bar blues thing to it, which I guess maybe Sabbath was flirting with that a bit back in the day. Oh, much, I think I put that in this. Apparently, they weren't even super big fans of uh, Sabbath, unfortunately, as much as we were. Uh, I think I think tonally, though, they uh, they sound similar. It's sounding similar, yeah. It's got that big. It's just kind of a big riffy song, which which I always liked. I liked it for that. Like some of these other songs on here, I mean, they're riffy. This is definitely riff rock, but I don't know. That's just where my head was at, and maybe is at to some extent now. Is uh, just it, it really this riff really fucking hits you in the head, uh, maybe compared to some other ones. It's like, wah, 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 wah. is that one? Yeah, and then just, bow, 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 bow. yeah, yeah, maybe that is it. Yeah, because there is a Black Sabbath song that's really similar to that. We could spend five minutes just going over Black Sabbath songs right now, but I feel like that's <laughs> that, that's another podcast. That's another yeah, podcast. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> so, the other, so I said weird, almost reggae guitar. That's the that's the way I thought of it. It almost sounds like... Dang, dang, oh, dang, sure. Dang, dang. <laughs> but see, reggae would be on the offbeat. This is yeah, is, I didn't realize it. It's actually the wrong way to phrase it. Yeah, sure. well, no, but that's an interesting point because, like, they definitely flirted with reggae beats a lot uh, in the 80s, like, at the very mm. least. Uh, they were getting into that sort of style, so. So, you know what's funny about this song? Uh, I think me. that it's, like, it's an antagonistic song. Like, it's a really sort of, like, negative, like... Yeah, well, or again, it's, like, I feel like it's just them kind of being, like... You guys are jerks. Uh, <laughs> like, I see you over there with your finger in the air. Like, fuck you. I don't like you either. Yeah. I, I also wrote this sounded like a prototype uh, for Best I Can, which appears on the next album. But it's just kind of like, look, I'm doing my own thing. You're you're giving me the finger. Or you're laughing at what I'm doing, but I don't give a shit. I'm doing my own fucking thing. Fuck you. That's that's kind of what it strikes me as. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Like, the lyric here that stood out for me was, You think that you're right? Well, tell me something, mister. Why'd you have to make it so uptight? Yeah, for sure. It's like, you're making me uptight, dude. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's yeah, cool. that's 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 the vibe I got from it for sure. Seemingly. Yeah, and and otherwise too pretty straightforward song like classic, you know, drum kind of fills and stuff. Like like it's kind of like it has some fast snare fills and some interesting things, but like there's not really a lot of divergence from the norm here either. Right. Uh very rock song. Yeah, I guess there is one kind of cool part in this where uh, John is doing like a cool snare roll behind uh, <laughs> Alex's solo. Yeah, because they're probably yeah, kind of both doing. Yeah, I like that part. That's a cool block. Yeah, you're right. But but yeah, it's a little more far and few between. It's it's mostly just kind of a little straightforward for sure. Are you in the mood for the next song? Yeah, buddy. I'm in the mood to give you some trivia as well. Uh, because, oh, okay, let's hear it. Yeah, this is the purportedly the only song credited just to Getty. Uh, oh, okay. So lyrics are all his. Again, it's another instance of, hey, now, baby, do you want to... Horniness. Yeah. <laughs> the more horniness. It's, this is the horny... And that's some white note was another, another song about wanting to bang by yeah. Rush. Yeah. And... Um, and well, won't you come and sit with me? I'll tell you all my lies. My lies. Like, whoa, dude. <laughs> okay, dirty. Dirty. Inappropriate. We've moved on a lot culturally since then. <laughs> um, but that's fine. Yeah, pretty simple. Again, lyrically, I don't think there's much to even really note because it's so similar to the other lyrics, really. Uh, just kind of yeah. dressed up in a different outfit. Um, it's it's definitely more aggressively horny though this one I think like, I guess like, like don't don't talk so fast like well, I don't know it just seems it's more where'd you learn where'd you learn what you know yeah it's uh, I mean I guess so I didn't really look at it like that but you 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 may be right it is maybe the most aggressive horny rush song and that could be the most yeah, aggressive horny rush song in the entire catalog not only the album because they don't really do that. This is another one I actually learned on guitar back in the day. I liked it enough to do that, frankly. So that maybe says something about it. Yeah, I think it's a good like. You you might hear this on the radio, maybe. Now, you think? Yeah, maybe. That's possible. Like it's I'm, it's one of their more popular songs still, probably. I'm surprised by how often. Well, not how often. I'm surprised at the Rush songs I do hear on the radio. With the very rare times I do listen to the radio, like. Uh, this is again going this is way far down the road but uh there's a presto track called superconductor that uh i heard not too long ago on the radio that fucking blew my mind because it's like i thought that was obscure like it's like oh people yeah are into superconductor well, but yeah i think it's an interesting thing in canada they're uh mandated to play a certain percentage of canadian music Indeed. uh so I think that a band like Rush is kind of an easy... Ripe for the pick. yeah, picking, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's a fun a fact of... for our mostly super... American audience. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of super famous Canadian rock bands. Yeah, yeah not tons. I mean, we've got Rush, we've got April Wine. Nickelback. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh God, Tragically Hip. I'm just naming all the Yeah, Tragically ones. Hip. That's tragically a good Hip, one. we got the hip. I thought it, the lyrics were a little bit funny, like, again, that um, it's a bit like, a, like they're 
making this stuff up like last minute and they're like literally have a rhyme book there or something sure because because like the one player that stood out to me is he's like hey baby it's a quarter to eight it's 745 right the yeah, hour, oh, right, right, the right. hour is late <laughs> the hour is late i know yeah dude it's it, like yeah I was going to say, I guess it makes sense with, like, the song coming up later. Well, they kind like, of yeah. allude to that, yeah, again, later, for sure. In another song, they're like, I get up at a certain time, and I do I this get up at a certain seven. time. Yeah, I think it up at seven. And I then they go to work at nine, so they're up for two fucking <laughs> yeah. hours before go- before going to work. So Yeah, yeah I guess in my mind, they're, like, they're like in Toronto or something. So they're like, I got to take a bus, and then I got to sure. take the train. Well, yeah, I, I guess, guess when they were that I age, guess. maybe, yeah. Well, anyway, that's for a discussion in a few songs from now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that oh, is... The other thing about this song. Uh, okay, so does Neil Peart ever play a cowbell? Uh, oh, good question. Um, I want to say there's, like, an electronic... Oh, no, he does. He does on the next album. Okay. Yes, Okay. he does. Because uh, there's a cowbell in this song. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Which is pretty rare, yeah. 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 Number seven. seven. Say Evan is before and after Craig. Do you want me to talk about it a little bit? Before and after. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. You talk, you say what you want to say. Well, it's kind of an interesting song, I guess. It, it's, it's an outlier on this album in a lot of ways. Cause it, it's uh, it kind of evolves or it, it kind of has progressive leanings a little bit. Cause it starts out uh, quite quietly uh, it builds into something. There's a lot of chord changes happening. Um, a lot of kind of s- things that would become a little bit more signature for them down the road, like some kind of harmonics from Alex's guitars and arpeggio stuff that sounds really nice. And uh, and then it kind of goes into a more hard rocker, um, similar to the other tracks on this album. There's some cool. There's some cool stuff happening. Yeah, for sure. There's some. I think. So what I wrote is the bridge part is sick. Yo, I said cool bridge, awesome baseline. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like that, the riffing and just like the drum beat, it's just fucking groovy and badass. Like yeah. that's uh, there's no yeah. other way to put it. Like that part rules. That that might be the best part of the song, honestly. And then it picks up, speaking of yeah, yeah, there's a lot of yeahs in this song. Yeah. <laughs> That's why yeah, I say yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And these, I guess the song lyrically, again, pretty similar. What I got from it, it was, he was kind of trying to tell a woman to smarten up if, if he wants to, if they want to be together. That was the vibe I got. I don't have any notes about the lyrics on this song other than, come to your baby. But I said, yeah. <laughs> There's so much of that, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming to you, baby shit. That again, like, yeah, it's it's very much the first track again. Finding yeah. my way, yeah, and and yeah, it's just he's coming to get with me. Tell you, baby, he's coming up, sneaking up behind you. Yeah. Oh yeah, these were lyrics back in the day. That's <laughs> these are how songs were, and especially when you were a kid. Like again, we have to stress these were written by pretty much a child, really quickly. In the 70s. Yeah, in the seventies before going into a studio like so it's don't don't uh expect much be too hard on them (laughs) yeah hard on um (laughs) don't be too hard on them um okay so i I will not anything else you want to say before 
or after this sentence? Mm, no. Okay, well then let's I move will on. Not, I will not say anything. Okay, I'm good. This is going to be an exclusive for fans who are, well, I mean, I guess if we ever release a, a video version of this, I'm holding up something. But basically, I have notes for Working Man, or I have oh, notes for everything. Terrible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's blurring it out. it out. Well, actually, never mind. <laughs> that was a failed bit. But basically, wow. so wow. for the for the final, for the ultimate track on the album Rush, we have Working Man, which um, to me is just a standout classic song uh it's before it's, we get into the song i just want to say that uh currently uh i am not a working man <laughs> to, yeah the irony my god so so, so you can't i start you can't start monday oh well i mean yeah so i'll be a working man come monday and you'll this song will make a lot more sense to you uh after you get a few hours under your belt so i mean yeah I definitely don't get up at seven, that's for sure. Yeah, oh my god. Fortunately, I don't either, but I am a working man. But it's uh, different times, different technology. Yeah. So Working Man is a fucking bonafide classic to me. I'd say it's far and ahead the best song on this album. Uh, it's one that I go back to with regularity. Um, and um, well, Does it fit as a last song? Like, it's, I it's think a side, so. B, side B last song. Like, it may not even get played, I feel like. Well, yeah, but I also feel like in the 70s, there was more people were into albums and, like, album tracks. And I think that Rush was always very good at having, like, really good closers. And I think they intentionally kind of did that. But I know what you mean. That is true. But I think that's also just more fucking dum-dums nowadays and maybe in decades later or past now. But And now. But I think I think people won't listen to albums like they used to. But I think back in the day. No, but I mean a side B thing is a. I mean that's a statement about like when you're saying it's a side B, like that's a. I guess. Second rate. Well, not necessarily though, like because I think it's like a B side on a single yeah, a is second cut. rate. Yeah. Yeah, you could be saying it's a deep cut, I guess. It's yeah. I I I don't think that's the case. I th I think they knew. Well, I don't know. I, I, maybe there's some truth to what both of us are saying, but I think it fits well as a final song because it's it's pretty epic. Uh, yeah. It has a fucking yeah, it is. I mean, the lyrics pretty simple, uh, and we we took some of them for our intro. It's just about a working dude yeah. who just is working all the time, just wants to go home, crack even, a beer. Do they even know what they're talking about? I know. Yeah, they like probably worked at a. Sobeys for like a couple of months and it was like <laughs> I'm starting a band Sobeys is a grocery store chain uh, yeah. in Canada <laughs> uh, sorry guys a uh, Whole Foods <laughs> my name is Getty Lee from America and I work at a Whole Foods uh, I don't know why I said that so disparagingly sorry hey, I, I'm not sure if we mentioned now that just I just wanted to point out that uh, not sure if we actually mentioned that uh, his name is Getty like his, his real name is Gary. I, I mentioned pointed, it. In the point, intro. You yeah. pointed that out, but did you point it out that it, it's because his mother's pronunciation? Oh, right? I think it might have been his grandma's, but no, he didn't say why. But yeah. Oh, well, I maybe I it was his mom. His mom. Okay. Well, I mean, hey guys, one of one of us has to be right. <laughs> so uh, a family member basically was kind of like with her very thick accents, kind of mispronouncing his name. So Gary became Getty. Getty, 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 come and give me a case. Also, fun fact: I'm not Italian. <laughs> yeah, Italian. no. Well, but one thing I do know is that legally, I actually own a cat that I dubbed Getty Lee. Um, is the cat's name Gary? No, it is Getty. Getty legally. Lee. 
legally his name is Getty Lee, registered formally. Okay. So that's just a little fun fact also if we're talking about okay. Getty's name. And he'll be a guest on the show at 1.2. I'm going to be like, Getty Lee's going to be a guest on this episode. <laughs> I just bring out a cat and I'm like, hey guys, look at my cat. <laughs> Um, so Working Man, I think the coolest part about this song to me, I mean, one, the riff is great. The riffage in general is very cool. Yeah. Very Sabbathy. Very hooky. I, uh, it, it, it evolves in a, in a cool way. Like, you know, it, it, it builds. There's dynamics to the riff and the music from verse to chorus. And, um, and then, of course, you have the guitar solo section in the middle, which goes on for a really long time. There's a crazy intermission for the instrumental jab. Yeah. I like, uh, like uh, I guess it wasn't as uh, cognizant of that. I think that they actually have a shorter version that they put on the radio. Oh, because, maybe. Uh, yeah, because I was listening to that today and thinking, like, this seems super long. I don't remember that being this long. Yeah. That's Because it's a fun, like, just, they just, like, jam out at the end. They jam out pretty hard. Like, I'm like, oh, this is the end. I'm like, no, it's not. Well, yeah, because what they do <laughs> is they go into this riff in the solo section twice. Like, it's like solo, mm. solo, you know, Alice, Alice, Alex is shredding for like a couple of <laughs> minutes, and then they play this riff. And then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they're going into another section. But then it just goes back. It kind of yeah. drops a bit, and then <laughs> yeah. the guitar comes back in. And you're they're like, like oh, dear, dear. we're still yeah. going, okay. So it's fun. And, dude, the fucking, I don't know, again, this is Alex. Like, I think he's just his... Really exemplifying his 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 good early style or his prototypical what is always part of his style, which is he's putting those pinch harmonics in and just being really emotive with the uh, the notes and the sound of things and like aggressive. And I don't think he cares so much about specifically, yeah, the notes or hitting every note perfectly, but it's about making a, a vibe and just being like, this is badass, and I'm just kind of shredding and letting loose. Oh, I love they should it. call him Alex Light. <laughs> take two. Lights, take two. Life song. Ha! <laughs> they should name him Alice Light. Light Alice Life song. Yeah. Life song, because he brings life to the music. Hey, well, I mean, bring it up to his parents or him, I guess. Because I can't do anything about that. You know <laughs> It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Missed opportunity. He's listening. He'll be listening. Don't worry. Yeah. It'll come up. In the inevitable point where we do interview the band in the final episode, we'll yeah. we'll be like, Did you hear when we were joking about like you changing your name? Like we think it'd be cool if you actually did that. And he'll be like And he'll just like whip out his birth certificate where he's like legally changed it. I th I so I brought it up earlier. But uh, it's a 50-year-old song. Like, it's crazy that it's still played on the radio. Like, you can still hear this song on the radio on a Monday morning, like, in any town Canada. Like, yeah. you, can, you can hear this song. It's I don't cool. know if they played in the States. Probably, I don't know. It might be a little less popular, hard to say. But uh, it definitely is a radio staple here. And which is cool because, States. like, it is such a long song, too. And I guess it's, like, whatever. Yeah, maybe yeah. it is DJ still I use know. it to 
fucking drop a deuce or whatever. Yeah, yeah take a piss. <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, yeah, still still around 50 fucking years. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's 48, right? I guess if we're being yeah. super technical. Yeah. But like... That's why I said almost 50 that is astounding and it is still rocks Crazy. hard i still listen Crazy. to it and i'm like this is like uh the chorus the chorus fucking hits hard they call me the working man i guess sick. that's what i am it is fucking sick and i'll i'll throw it out there because i alluded to this earlier or i hinted or i teased but basically this is a song that i heard in my friend's vehicle that uh mm-hmm. when i heard it and in particular, the part that I remember is it, when it goes uh, into the solo section, it, it's everything drops out except the bass. And the bass kind of does that. Well, it sounds almost more like um, uh, U- what's it? UK invasion kind of kind of tone than than uh, I guess some of the other stuff, which I think is a bit of an influence. for that. Oh, like this album is. Yeah, yeah. This- it's more like cream or like uh, yeah, for sure. And those were bands that they were like totally into for sure. Like yeah, the Who they were all big fans of and the like. So definitely, yeah. There's that pedigree, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and you know the other thing about this song is uh, it probably has the most relatable lyrics and it's the most well written. Like yeah, uh, any of the songs on this album, like by far, like it. And yeah, I mean it's yeah ironic because I guess like he hasn't yeah done it himself, but that's really so, uh, yeah. Aside from working at the Whole Foods for like a month, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, that is that is funny. Somebody at that age can have such a perspective on having a career, <laughs> but uh, it's something that yeah, you know, I guess people can relate to more consistently than just like I want to have sex with a woman right now. <laughs> I mean that's relatable too, but uh, but only a certain percent of the population. <laughs> yeah, quite a big percent, but like only a certain percent. Well, and it's only you know, I guess there is a lot of rock songs about that. It's not like oh yeah, it's not that fresh. No, 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 no. And thank God we have a breath of fresh air with uh, Neil on the next album, where yeah, his lyrics definitely uh, step things up a notch. It's also like one of the most danceable rush songs to me that's true maybe it has a good like bpm where you can just kind of bob to it yeah and it's it's followable the the chorus coming is like you you see it coming like it's yeah like it's got a nice feel to it and yeah it feels yeah sorry i interrupted there but it 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 feels a bit more evolved maybe than some of the other songs like i said it's just like the verse parts feel very dynamic because they kind of build and uh, even though it's just kind of the same chords over and over again, there's enough like variation that uh, it keeps you hooked. And yeah, there's a reason it's been on the radio for 48 goddamn years. So I don't know. I mean, as, th- of, as of this year, like, I mean, yeah. it'll be on the radio next year, too. It'll yeah, it's going to be on the radio <laughs> for maybe another 48 if yeah. uh, if we're still around, if not more. Yeah. So Somebody it, leave their radio on at the end and at the end of this whole thing. <laughs> this whole thing called the human race. Existence. Yeah. See what's on the radio, bro. It's gonna be rush, I'm telling you. It'll be yeah. the last thing on the radio. It's gonna be the ro- the roaches in the rush, dude. So the album. So uh yeah, for me, I don't have a whole lot to say about this album in general that we haven't already said. I think that uh, general in summation, in summation, 
Yeah. I think that I can't help but compare the album uh, to some of the other ones for the drums. Um, the style as it changes a bit, less sort of progressive. Um, they are still really well put together for a first album. That's something yeah. that I wanted to say. Like, I think that everything sounds really good, pretty dang tight. Like, everything's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah and they still be, they still use that album font, too. I know we haven't quite got to the uh, cover art yet, but uh, we will. they still use that font. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty notable one. And for a band that, I mean, I think every single album, they do have a different font. But... Uh, it, it is one that remained pretty famous and that, yeah, I'm pretty sure they reused for merch and stuff. Well, I think on their, if you go to their YouTube now, they have a channel that I think that's the font. Is the Oh, there you fresh, go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. It may not be their most famous album, but it may be their most famous album cover. Yeah. Actually. But oh, hey, okay, we're getting... Prolific. Well, okay, before we do talk about that, um, yeah, I guess I'll say same boat. It's... Uh, quite an outlier in the catalog because Neil isn't there. It's stylistically much simpler than you'd come to expect from the band. Uh, the, the lyrics aren't quite there. The drums aren't quite as exciting. It's to me. And, you know, and then this isn't saying it's a bad album either. It, I, I do like it, but probably because of those reasons, it might, and, you know, I hate to start off the pod with this, B, but B-tier rush. It's, it's yeah, B-tier, you know, and they wouldn't be under b for me because i love this band yeah exactly yeah. but uh but it's it's the it's in the lower half for me there's still some great moments and working man is a fucking amazing song but um mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's it's um just not what i am musically into so much nowadays so i don't go back to it tons but but they did a great job and you're right it is tight it's well done for like a bunch of freaking kids that were recording this yeah. like in the middle of Crazy. the night uh yeah. yeah after a gig so Props to them. Yeah, but I guess that's my summation of the album. Um, I, I will be more excited about literally, with I think few exceptions, every other album uh, this band has put out. Yeah, it's definitely not the lowest album in my mind. So, I mean, let the fun continue. Let the fun begin. That's for the differences. <laughs> Sorry. So, cool. the cover art. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that in general what it is to me it's like an asian inspired font with sort of a graffiti oh. comic book explosion in the background and it's yeah. like a a really stark pink red yeah so i think that was a printing error actually i'm pretty okay. sure it was supposed to be red and it just printed yeah. in this you know pink ironically it's this would cool. happen to the band later for another album uh which i whatever spoilers caress of steel which i believe wasn't supposed to be the tone that it came out as but they just had a lot of uh, bad luck with that but i think in this case uh it worked disliked. out yeah generally disliked album yeah for sure it was just fucking curse from the get-go but in this case i think the error worked I, I think it really makes it stand out it's like what john rutsey's brother was talking about it's like oh like boom rush it's yeah. like a fucking explosion rush. it's like pink. Right your face. yeah it's like listen to this and then it's just this dude like screaming so high-pitched over this like kind of hard rock yeah. like so it's it's cool and like i think it the it fits the vibe of the uh album a lot i'm not sure at what point but i read something as well about uh getty being voted and i'm not sure where or for what but voted 13th best 
heavy metal vocalist of all time. Interesting, yeah. And it's yeah, like, would you really interesting. define them as heavy metal? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, like, Working Men is pretty borderline heavy metal. It's, uh, yeah. It, I mean, we were comparing it to Sabbath, so Sabbath yeah. is metal. That's what I mean. Like, if you're comparing it to bands like Sabbath, then, like, I guess Led Zeppelin is heavy metal. But I think here's the thing. It's like, that's such a subjective thing. I mean, yeah. honestly, like, look, I'm going to say, to me, Rush, I wouldn't call them a heavy metal band. They have elements of what you'd call heavy metal genre-wise in their music. Um, but, I mean, fuck, nowadays people call Metallica a rock band. Like, and I've argued that with people, and people aren't budging. So it's like, okay, well, Metallica... I guess is a rock band and not a metal band. So if they're not a metal band, I would not dare to call Rush a metal band. Um, well, even, I don't know. I mean, his genre is a little bit of a spectrum. <laughs> it's a, it's a spectrum, as many things are, uh, and it's just something I'm not. I I've have not enough energy to argue, but whatever. There's there's metal elements to their sound, but I they're a progressive rock band. Right? Yeah, I don't really care about arguing that much about uh, genre specific, you know, things like it doesn't. I don't know if you need to care about classifying it quite as much. No, it's not important. Anyway, but I mean, yeah, what, what I call him a heavy metal vocalist, like I don't know, probably not, like. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a vocals funny list. wise, vocals wise, it is interesting because like uh, I remember going to the library as a young boy and listening to CDs, and uh, the first time I picked up an AC/DC album, uh, it was Back in Black, oddly enough, and uh, I remember hearing, um, oh man, oh the singer. Yeah, what's his name now? Uh, well, is it either Bon Scott or the other no. guy? I'm not an ACDC fan myself, so write in, folks. Oh, I who's, know this. Who's the front man of uh, ACDC? Yeah, it bothers me because I should know that. But um, anyways, uh, and he just, he starts out with this crazy, like, just this crazy high Banshee whale. vocal style that I'd never heard really at the time. And it just like shocked me to the core for sure. And I could, I could imagine somebody coming into rush and thinking that same thing. Like if they're not used to like, what is rock? What is metal? Like mm. if you just like hearing it for the first time, you're like, yeah, like that's like pretty heavy. Like it, it that's sounds like the vocals to me, they are like, he does vocal fry. He does really high stuff. He does really sort of like, strange pitch dives and stuff like it's it is yeah. like a unique style in the world of rock maybe it's a little bit eccentric i don't know i guess my stance on that which i don't disagree with any of that but it's more of this era of the band where he's kind of doing that sort of heavy metal yeah. i'm really going for it vocal fry scream in the note sort of thing uh whereas as their album goes or as their uh, career goes on he develops yeah. a much lower pitched more reserved style of singing yeah. more melodic uh which for that reason i'm like well yes he maybe you could say if he sung like in that one style his whole career sure we can talk about him being a heavy metal vocalist or anyway yeah but, so I, that's I, the I way we could talk about we could talk about the band being a prog rock band and this is not a prog rock album sure exactly well i mean so that's maybe our album cover talk <laughs> yeah just, just, i yeah. think that's pretty much wraps up this album for me like yeah i don't really have much else to say about the cover and yeah 
No, I guess all I'd have to say is on to uh, bigger and better things, really. Right. Okay, well, honestly, though, I hate to rush off like this, but I <laughs> guess that's it. We got that's that. <laughs> hate to rush off, guys, but it's, that's the end of this app. Okay, so you can you can contact us at uh, anthemscanada at gmail.com, or you can find our Instagram at anthemscanada. Yeah, uh, so we're going to be talking about albums chronologically uh, for the most part. So we're talking about Fly By Night next. If you have anything you want to say about the album, uh, write in, uh, correspond with us however you can through the means that we have offered to you. We're done. Let's get out of here. All right, I'm sick of this. It's almost 8 o'clock. <laughs> oh my god, I've got to go to sleep. I work at 9 tomorrow. Let's get out of here.